Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. You are the only one with the power to keep you where you are. Remember, the Father is on your side. He wants you to grow and develop. The devil can't stop you from growing and develop. You are the only one that can keep you from becoming all that you are meant to be. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. I want to welcome our online community that are gathering from all around the world. Welcome so much. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I pray that you will also enjoy the, the, the rich anointing that the Lord has set in store for you. And keep your ears open to hear what thus saith the Lord. All right, so again, this new series is entitled Releasing Your Potential. Now, before I give you that, um, before we get into the word, I need to give you this word that I received from the Lord uh, on January the 1st, 2022. Uh, Lord, 2022. Is that going to escape me? I don't know. But I need to, I need to share this with you. As I was in my prayer closet and I took my pad and my pen and the Lord began to speak to me so, so clearly. I mean, it was so crystal clear, like I'm speaking to you right now. And just to tell you how it began, I was asleep, sound asleep. And I heard, I heard a knock. Now my bedroom is not by the front door or by the back door. So I being the person that I am, got my phone and started looking on my cameras. Somebody knocking on my house, somebody knocking on my window. Looking at all my cameras, stand. When I already knew it was the Lord. I said, all right, Lord. Got on up, went into my prayer closet, and I sat down, and I began to hear. And hear the words that I heard. Now, I need you to really hear this, too. Power, that is miracle signs and wonders, gets people's attention. But people are drawn to Christ by, rather, but people are drawn to Christ by an authentic Christ-like or Christian lifestyle. The life of Christ lived before the world is very attractive indeed. Your enemy tries to minimize this, but this is true evangel power. Like moths drawn to a flame, they would be drawn to your light. This is a fact. The power is not in being a super saint, but just living day to day in Christ under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Life lived in pursuit of the Father's will will win souls into the kingdom. Yes, Lord. And then I also heard, listen. So I began to listen. I have a little portable heater. I like a little heat sometimes, kind of. The portable heater. And so I turned it off. Listen. Then I heard our, our air conditioner on. I turned that off. Listen. And then it was so silent in the room really that 
my ears began to hurt a little bit. The silence was deafening. And then the Lord told me, man was not created to hear nothing. He was created to hear the sounds of life. It's the sound of creation, nature, playing a daily symphony for him. The birds, the insects, the wind, running water, all have a sound that was meant to bless man, soothe man, and glorify God. I said, Lord, you thought about everything, didn't you? Isn't that awesome? He thought about you. Even to, the, even to your comfort and entertainment, he, he thought about it all. All of it. He really does love you. So let's get into the series, Releasing Your Potential. Now you may be seated. God bless you. It's time to be better, to do better, have better, to maximize your impact. It's time to do better, have better, be better, to maximize your impact. Now, potential is defined as this, having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. It's also defined as hidden qualities or ability that may be developed or lead to future success or usefulness. You have hidden qualities or potentials. You don't know exactly what is in you, but your father does know. There was a, a, an ancient curse, and this ancient curse, it is so, when I first heard it, I thought it was, it, it was nothing. But as I began to think about it over and over again, I, I realized that it, I understand why it was a curse. The curse is simply this, may you always be the same. May you never grow. May you never leave from where you are. That's a curse. You were made to grow. You were made to develop. You were made to be more. To be more. Now, let me give you this as well. You are the only one with the power to keep you where you are. You are the only one with the power to keep you where you are. Remember, the father is on your side. He wants you to grow and develop. The devil can't stop you from growing and develop. You are the only one that can keep you from becoming all that you are meant to be. Now, you are responsible. Now, here's a hard word. Now, I need you to hear this, too. Here's a, this will also keep you in this season. Online community, please listen. You are responsible for your own mood. You're responsible for your own attitude. You're responsible for your own disposition. Regardless of your past, present, or future circumstances, it's your responsibility how you act. People can't really make you mad. They can't really make you sad. You understand that? You can't control other people or events, but you can control how you react to them. You must choose to be joyful. You must choose to be peaceful. You must choose to be loving. Please, please, please don't wait for people or the world around you to become more favorable to your choice. 
I'll become peaceful as soon as you act right. As soon as you do right, as soon as the stock market gets better, as soon as the world does better, then I'll, I will act like I'm supposed to act. That is worldly. That is worldly. You have to choose how you will be beforehand. You have to choose how you will be beforehand. Please don't let that word slip. You have to choose how you will be beforehand. However, choosing is more than just saying, I choose joy. I choose to be full of joy. I choose to be full of love. I choose to be full of peace. I choose to be patient. I choose. There's more to it than that, Tamaris. There's more to it than that. You're going to have to make preparations for this love, for this joy. Let's say you go to work one day and everybody's acting very foolish. And they're all up in arms. And you were good until you got there. But the moment you stepped in and got in the atmosphere, then you felt that stuff starting to come on you. You began to act like they act. Well, you're going to have to choose before time, beforehand, I will not allow that to happen. But in the event that it does slip in, what happens is you will actually trade your peace for their chaos. Chaos and peace cannot abide in the same place. If at once you had peace on the outside and you step in and now you're feeling angry, now you're feeling hurt and hostile, you have traded, given away your peace for the chaos. There's only a, a space in you and us that is so big. I'm not sure how big or small it is, but it cannot hold peace and chaos at the same time. It cannot hold love and hate at the same time. It cannot hold uh, joy and not joyfulness. You got what I'm saying, Josh. You can't hold it at the same time. So if you don't have one, if you don't have peace, but now you have chaos, you've given away the peace. Now there's chaos. Now there's anger. I'm mad. Or now I'm depressed. I'm sad. When you had the opposite of that just a little while ago. How do you deal with that? Well, it's, it's more than just saying, well, <laughs> I will be joyful. I will be, I will be full of joy. There's <laughs> more to it than that. You've got to make preparation for the return of the joy. How do you do that? You're going to have to make, you're going to have to come to terms with why you are feeling angry. Why am I feeling angry? You got to ask yourself, the, ask yourself the question, why am I feeling angry? Why do I feel like slapping the fool out of you? <laughs> Excuse my French. Why do I feel like going off? What has happened? Why am I upset? As you get along with yourself and you, and you deal with it. Why? You have to deal with these feelings. Now, if there is no cause for the feelings, you don't know why you, you after examining, after examining yourself and you pray, you still can't find it. Then you may come to the conclusion that it must be a spirit. Then you deal with that spirit of anger. Get out of me. Get off. In Jesus name, get out of here. See, then you've cast that out. Now there is a space for you to introduce, reintroduce the peace. Reintroduce the love. 
reintroduce the joy. Or you say, well, I'm angry. I'm angry. Why are you angry? I'm angry. I don't know why. They didn't save me the last piece of that toast, and I'm angry. You didn't realize it at the time, but you came in wanting some toast. And they ate up all your toast. You try to let it slip. You say, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Don't worry about it. Sorry, sorry, all right, all right. Stomach grumbling. It's all right, sorry. I'm all right, sorry, I'm all right. But inside, I can't believe them jokers ate up my toast. As hungry as I am, they know I'm coming in, I'm hungry, and they didn't fix me. It's all right. I ain't gonna mess with it. Hang on. I'm not even I'm not even gonna dignify. No, no. It's all right. I'm good. I'm good. No, you're not good. You have to go somewhere. Why am I angry? It's not about the toast, is it? No, it's not about the toast, Lord. What is it about? I don't think that they cared about me. I think that maybe I'll never eat again. Maybe I doubt whether you will truly supply all my needs. It's never just about the toast. You hear me? Once I see, okay, this is, this is what's making me upset. Then I can deal with that emotion. Because emotions just don't go away. You got to deal with emotions. They just won't go once you deal with them, find out why. Get to the root of it, and you slay the root. Then you got an empty spot there waiting for you to reintroduce the peace, reintroduce the love, reintroduce the joy. <sighs> and then your real smile returns. You got me? Emotions just won't leave. You got to deal with them. Hallelujah. All right. So if you want better, you must be better. Then you'll do better. Then you'll have better. You got to be better. Then you'll do better. Then you'll have better. You're going to have to learn this year. I have to ask the spirit of God to help you deal with you. Because nobody can keep you from being all that God has called you to be but, but you, but me. Amen. Now, there are enemies to uh, being better, doing better, having better. There are about six enemies I want you to see, about six enemies, and I pray that you're getting this. Six enemies. The first enemy is the fear of failure. Fear of failure. I'm afraid I can't do it. You got to confront that. Confront the fear of failure. The second enemy is low self-worth. I'm nothing and a nobody. We have to confront that. We have to confront that. The third enemy is a fatalistic mindset. Things will never get better for me. It never happened for me. We got to get rid of that. Fourth thing is negative associations. Haters that remind you of your past and your weaknesses. We got to deal with the haters. 
if you can't make them shut up, then you can remove yourself from the conversation. Let them argue by themselves. You don't have to be a part of it. Fifth thing is laziness, inactivity, and an unwillingness to act. I just don't want to do it. Laziness is often accompanied by, why don't you do it for me? I don't feel like getting up, fix me a bowl of cereal. Would you fix it for me? I don't feel like going to work. Would you just bring me your money when you get back? Would you do that? You hear what I'm saying to you? And the last sixth one, sometimes the most deadly, most deadly, John, procrastination. The activity, rather the active process of choosing to, choosing to do something else instead of the task that you should be doing. I'll do it later. I'll, I'll do it later. While procrastination can be a weapon, James, it can be a weapon against the enemy, against sin. The devil comes and says, hey, why don't you look at her over there? Ooh, boy, she is. Mm-mm. Why don't you look at him? Ooh. Or look at that money. Nobody's around that money all of a sudden. Mm. Or look at that chocolate cake. Ooh, you know you want that cake. The weapon of procrastination says, you know what? That's nice. I'll get that later. Procrastinate. Put it off. And you'll notice as you put that off, the desire for it begins to get less and less and less and less and less. After a while, you don't want it. Procrastination can't be a weapon. But remember these things. Remember these six things again. Fear of failure, low self-esteem, a fatalistic mindset, negative associations, laziness, and procrastination. All of these are not an excuse, but they can be overcome. Let's go into some word today. Let's go to Matthew, Matthew 25, verse 24 through 30. And you know this, this is a very familiar text of Scripture. Matthew 25, verse 24 through 30. As the Lord talks about the servants here, the parable of the talents and what happened there. Let's go to the man at the very end of it. Verse 24 says, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Uh, Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money. I'm sorry, here is your money back. You got what I'm saying to you? Here it is. Now, look, verse 26. How did the Lord respond to that? But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well 
what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, one more time, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now consider that the Lord called this man wicked and lazy. He disregarded the prophet of the king. Yeah, I know what Jesus wants, but you know what? I know what I want too. He disregarded what the Lord would think, what the Lord would say. In other words, he was saying, Lord, I choose my comfort above your profit. In, in saying he was afraid, he was also saying, um, Lord, you made the wrong choice. I'm not the man that you wanted. Or I don't trust you. Or simply, Lord, you were wrong. You were, you were just wrong. You picked the wrong person. You gave me this ability to preach or to sing or to write. But I can't do what you asked me to do. You were wrong. You are flawed, God. Which, of course, is blasphemy. The Lord made the right choice. And the Lord, it's the right choice because God made it. You are the right choice for the assignment because God chose you. There is no other more qualified than you. And we cannot, we cannot choose our comfort above his will. And now understand this as well. When we consider the challenge more than the champion, we'll always end up doomed. When you consider the challenge more than the champion, you'll always be doomed the Lord is always greater look at Psalm 103 I want to show you this he knows you say with me the Lord knows me he knows you Psalm 103 verse 13 and 14 says this like a father pitieth his children or loves his children so the Lord pitieth or loves them that fear him. Look at verse 14. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. The word frame there means our form, our purpose. It means what you're made of. He knows your bones, what you're capable of. God knows your frame. He knows your potential. He knows. We can live in denial and say, well, I'm not this and I'm not that. But the fact of the matter is God knows you and he knows what you're capable of. He knows who you are without him and he knows who you are with him. He knows your frame. And you plus God is always the winning majority. And the Lord never intended you to, to fight or to do life alone. Never one time did he choose that. He knows. Let's look at Matthew 28. The Lord has given you a promise. Because as long as the Lord is with you, 
you will always overcome. As long as the Lord is with you, you will always overcome. So some would say, well, how do I know the Lord's going to be with me? Let's look at his word. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Verse 19 says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them into the, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, what? I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So Jesus is about to send us or sent us out into a battle. When you go teaching the kingdom of God, teaching light, teaching love, teaching Christ, you're going to come against dark forces. You're going to come against devils and demons. You're going to come against all of that. You're going to wage war against all of it. But the Lord said, I am with you. Remember, you were never meant to fight those battles or to do life alone. So Jesus said, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way to the end, dog. I'm with you. Or should I say, man, you understand what I'm saying? Whoa, man. Lord said, I got you. I'm not sure who that was from, who it was for. The Lord got you. He got you. He got you. He got you. He said, I'll never leave. I'll never leave. Let's look at Numbers 30, Numbers 13. And let me show you an example of this. This is so powerful here as we, as we begin to close today. Y'all stay with me today? Amen. Numbers 13, let's look at uh, verses 30 through 33. And really, as we see the children of Israel about to cross over to the promised land to receive what God said that they can have, you know Joshua and Caleb's testimony. They say, we can do it. And then the other spies say, you crazy. We ain't going to be able to do this. Let's read about it. Numbers 13, verse 30 says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go at once to take the land, he said. We are, or rather, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they uh, spread this, so they spread this evil or, or rather bad report about the land among, among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. Verse 33. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now, I want you to see this. This is a, a, an extremely powerful lesson that, you, that we've got to get. We've got to get. Notice how they had a low self-esteem of themselves, and then they projected their own fears upon the Inhabitants of the land. They did not take a survey and go through the land and say, okay, Mr. Giant, how you feel about me? Go ahead. How, how do you feel about me? Okay, go ahead. You talk now. 
They didn't take a survey going through the land about how asking people how you feel, how you feel, how you feel, how you feel, how you feel. No, they projected their own fears on the other people. Like you go into some meeting or stand before a group and you think, everybody thinks I'm crazy. Nobody thinks I can do this. No, that's not their thoughts. It's your thoughts. And you are projecting your fear on them. And they, they, they're looking at you like this. See the way they're looking at me? And you think that they're thinking, oh, she don't know what she's talking about. But really they're thinking, I want a hamburger. What time is this meeting over? You thinking, oh, he's long-winded. It's taking a long time. They're thinking, if I leave in just a few minutes, I'll make time for that to, get, to catch the game before it goes off. But we project our thoughts on other people. They're thinking this about me. No, they're not. Even if they are, what business of it is yours? People's thoughts are personal. Let them stay personal. They're their thoughts. Let them think what they want to think. Hallelujah. Can I show you what the people of the land were actually thinking about them? Let's go to Joshua. Let's go to Joshua, the second chapter. When the children of Israel finally came out of the wilderness and then they came to the city of Jericho, there was an honest harlot there, an honest prostitute, who began to tell them what the people of the land thought about the children of Israel. Let's listen to this prostitute, Rahab. Let's hear what she has to say. She will tell you what is going on over there. Let's look at Joshua, the second chapter, verse 9, 10, 11. And she says, uh, verse 9, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. You think that they think you're a grasshopper and they're going to step on you, but actually they're thinking, oh my God, there's children of Israel. They're actually terrified of you. Look at verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt and what ye did unto the two kings of the uh, Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God is he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Wow. To say they had respect for you is an understatement. So when you step in this meeting and you step in your, in your position, you do what you do, and you feel 
weak and you feel insecure, just remind yourself who you are in Christ. Focus your attention on him, on his thoughts, not on their thoughts, because you have no idea how the Lord has already been dealing with them before you stepped up. We say they think that we are insignificant bugs that hop from place to place, grasshoppers. That's what they see me. They see me as having an unstable life, hopping from job, hopping from relationship. They see me as hopping, and I'm just something they're going to squash. No, that's not what they think of you at all. They are scared of you. They are terrified of you. They have a deep respect for you. You have no idea how the Lord has Gone before you. No idea. And let me show you, just tell you just one other thing that we close out. Remember in 2 Kings, the 7th chapter, when there were four leprous men. You can read this later when you get home. Four leprous men that were sitting at the gate of the city. And they said, hey, if we go back in the city, we're going to die. The famine is in the city. If we stay right here, we're going to die of hunger. As well, they said, you know what, why don't we just go and confront the enemy? If they save us, we'll live. If not, we'll but die, which is a funny statement to me. We'll leave it alone. When, you, when it's your time for you to go into the next world, you don't want to but die. I'm sorry, online community. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's get back over here now. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. It's true. <laughs> okay. Stop. I've got the joy in my heart. But they said, all we can do is die. That's all we can do is die. So let's go ahead and go. They confronted their fears. They got up from that place and they went to where the enemy was and they, they found that there was nobody there. For some time in the twilight, they, the Lord had gone before them and he had made the enemy army to hear a sound, the sound of chariots. And, and they thought, oh boy, the Israelites, they've hired uh, other kings against us and they're coming to get us. And they ran and left their Chariots, they left their horses, they left their tents and their gold and silver and all of it. They just got out of Dodge. So when these four men got up there, they said, hey, there's nobody here. And they start eating from tent to tent, start eating, start gathering supplies, gathering money and start hiding it. Then they thought, hey, we are not doing well. We got to tell somebody about this because everybody back in the city is still dying of starvation. We got to tell them. And so, of course, they went back and told him, and eventually it was wonderful. So you don't know how the Lord will be going before you. And so here's a prophetic word for you for this year. The Lord will go before you. You will not be alone. He will go before you. You are never meant to be alone in your fight or in your war. Matter of fact, let's look at this last scripture, Deuteronomy 31. And you can mark this in your Bible and keep this with you. These are the words of the Lord that he, Lord gave to Moses here. 
look at look at Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. It says, Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be dismayed of them. Them who, them co-workers, maybe, them bosses, maybe, them that you're gonna have to stand before. Don't be afraid of them. Why? For the Lord thy God, he is rather, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Verse 7. And Moses called unto, called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord have sworn unto, the, unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Verse 8. And the Lord... He it is that doeth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Be strong. Be brave. You're going to finally possess the land, the territory, and you are rule. And you will reign. Be strong. Be brave. The Lord is with you. And it is he that goes before you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for giving us this word today. And we thank you that you constantly go before us and you're constantly with us. And we thank you, Lord, that you never designed us to go into any battle or situation without you. But with you, we can do all things. So we celebrate you today and we celebrate the great victory that you've given unto us. And there may be someone watching or listening right now from all around the world or maybe someone in this room that has never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then now is the time to make him your Lord. Would you pray with me? And just say, repeat after me and just say, Lord, I come to you a sinner in need of a savior. I admit I have sinned and done wrong. I repent. I turn from the evil and I turn to you. And I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, to live in me, live big in me. I confess you as my Lord and as my savior. And I will serve you all the days of my life as you show me how. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the evidence of a changed life. I thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my friend, if you've just prayed that prayer with me or something like that, I believe the Lord has heard you. And I believe that you are now a part of the kingdom of God. Make sure that you contact us at kingdomrock.org and let us know so that we can be praying with you. We love you guys, and we will see you on the next time. Bye-bye. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you, and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.
We'll see you on the next time.